0: This is Lex Kibernetica, the Cyber Law podcast by the Hebrew University of
1: Jerusalem. Lex Kibernetica.
0: Bitcoin, blockchain, we've all heard, uh, hopefully, of these terms, but. Uh, what do they really mean uh, practically in the sense of usage, of regulation, and of cybersecurity? It is summer 2018, and this is Lex Kibernetica, the cyber law Podcast of the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. On this episode, we will discuss all things crypto uh, with our esteemed guests.
2: Boaz Tolev, CEO and founder of ClearSky Cybersecurity. A threat intelligence company.
1: Dr. Hadarja Botinsky, I'm a legal scholar researching in the field of line economics and financial regulation.
3: And I'm Dr. Aviv Zohar, I'm a researcher at the Hebrew University at the School of Computer Science and Engineering.
0: First of all, Aviv, can you define for us what a cryptocurrency is and what Bitcoin is?
3: So I think the, the best definition of a cryptocurrency is, is really a distributed. Currency that basically is under the control of no single entity. So, uh, one way to think about it is that every currency that is digitally represented has a ledger where we record all of the transactions and all of the balances, right? If we're talking about shekels or dollars, this is somewhere stored in our, in our bank account, right? There's a balance in our, of of our account in the bank. Uh, for Bitcoin, there's no central entity like a bank or a government that holds these records. There's basically a network of computers that has a distributed ledger containing records of all transactions. And every time somebody moves money, all of these computers that are spread out around uh, the world basically updates their their data and has to do this in a way that's synchronized. So Bitcoin is the first instance of a cryptocurrency. It was uh, established by a person calling himself Satoshi Nakamoto. Satoshi's contribution was that it he he basically showed us how to build such a system for the first time that has no central entity but is still an open system that everybody can join
0: yet it is um trustworthy and we can keep our money there
3: yes that's right exactly so so the main fear that people um when uh, are, are concerned with when when they're building a a currency system is that somebody who makes a payment is somehow able to reverse that payment and, and steal the funds or redirect them to another place so, you know, as a merchant, when I'm accepting a payment, I want to know that the transaction is final. When there's no central entity to, to deem that this is actually the transaction that happened, um, it's harder to engineer such a system in which money is uh, transferred in a way that is final and irreversible. And Satoshi's main contribution was to show us how to do this.
0: And his contribution is is the blockchain, which is the uh, infrastructure for that trustworthy ledger, which can have other uses as well.
3: Yeah, right. So so the blockchain is basically a data structure that allows all of these computers spread around the world to synchronize the information that uh, records the balance of transactions. Um, so this functionality is actually very appealing in other places as well. Whenever there's data that we'd like to synchronize on, without a trusted central authority, uh, we might um, employ the same principles. And indeed, there are a lot of um, other systems that have taken this, these ideas that Bitcoin uh, first implemented and, and started using them in other contexts.
0: And of course, where we have money, we have criminals. And your research is studying the way criminals use cryptocurrency and how they behave. Could you tell us about your research?
3: My research about cryptocurrencies started by looking at uh, maybe the the scalability problem of cryptocurrencies. Uh, Bitcoin is notoriously hard to scale up to process many transactions per second. Um, Another aspect of my research um, involves the incentives underlying cryptocurrencies. A lot of the work uh, maintaining and running the Bitcoin protocol is done by Bitcoin nodes that are actually uh, getting paid for this work. So there is an incentive mechanism um, that these payments need to motivate the proper behavior. And finally maybe the last piece of uh, the last area of research that I've been doing is is looking at the security of of these systems and how easy it is to attack them. For example, if you attack their networking infrastructure. Um and this this poses a risk for Bitcoin if you manage to stop the system and and uh, cause causes problems in the payment uh, system.
0: I think uh one of the most interesting things or um Sensational things people uh, think about when they think about uh, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, and in, in um, is the ways um, it enables crimes that were um, not possible or possible but not as easily as with Bitcoin. Can you give some examples?
3: So, I, I don't think that's exactly true. Bitcoin does not so much enable new crimes as it offers. Criminals, uh, a good way to monetize on, on things that they were doing before. Uh, one example of crime that uses Bitcoin quite often is, is ransomware attacks where your computer gets hijacked by some attacker and, um, the attacker requires you to pay in Bitcoins usually to, to, uh, free up your, your files and un- unencrypt them. Um, so th- not too many people know, but, but ransomware actually predates Bitcoin. People were using, um, were asking for money transfers from victims um this wasn't a very common practice because money transfers are usually harder to to accomplish when when bitcoin came along ransomware sh- uh, behavior kind of shifted uh to use cryptocurrencies mostly because they were um easier to use both for the criminals and for the victims who who found it easier to to acquire money maybe one form of crime bitcoin does allow that is relatively new is just the theft of Bitcoins themselves. So if you compromise someone's computer and he's been holding his Bitcoins or his Bitcoin wallet on that machine, you can steal all of his funds. But other than that, I think most of the criminal activity that we see with Bitcoin just uses it as an, easier, um, as an easy access payment method.
0: And what have you learned about uh, criminals' um, behavior using uh, cryptocurrencies?
3: my My interest in this started when we um, w- when a when a, a student basically approached me and said his computer was hijacked by ransomware, um, and I asked him if he, if he ever paid the ransom to actually give me the bitcoin address that he's that he's using um, uh, to pay funds to to redeem his his files. So we took a look at the transfers there. we could actually by f- by following information on the blockchain, we could actually trace those and connect them to other payments that were of similar denominations and um, led to, uh, to the attackers' uh, addresses. And so basically we could look at economic activity of the same ransomware um, and connect it all together. Altogether, we, we were able to trace a lo- quite a lot of the activity of this specific strain of ransomware. Uh, so over maybe a one month of activity, they were collecting something like $2 million, And all of it actually went into an exchange called BTCE. Um, BTCE was um, an exchange that converted Bitcoins to Euros and and Dollars and was actually operating out of Russia. And the operator of that exchange was later picked up by law enforcement. Uh, But I I think our main lesson was that um, these criminals were not using Bitcoin as, as as a way to preserve their anonymity, they were actually sending money in ways that were quite easily traceable to this exchange, and that most of the money laundering was actually not happening in Bitcoins, but rather in the exchange itself. Um, And indeed, when law enforcement arrested the operators of of this exchange, they were charged with with money laundering violations and extradited to the U.S.
0: Do you think um, technology and or regulation can... um diminish or downsize the criminal activity using
3: cryptocurrencies. I think this is going to be a very hard game to play. I think um, cryptocurrencies can have very good privacy and security layers. So law enforcement in general will have a hard time tracking activity in cryptocurrencies. I, unlike Bitcoin, which is relatively easy to track, you know we we did it ourselves and looked at this these ransomware payments. Other cryptocurrencies like Monero or Zcash use uh, much better cryptography and and therefore have these uh, payments that are harder to trace. So people who really want to remain anonymous um, can do so more easily. So I think law enforcement is really going to have a problem with these currencies um, if they ever become dominant enough. If... What we're left with is Bitcoin, then actually Bitcoin itself does give tools to law enforcement that maybe it even didn't have before. You can trace money to some degree and learn quite a lot.
0: Uh, thank you, Aviv. And we'll turn to Hadaja Butinsky, uh, talking about regulation of Bitcoin.
1: Yes, so my research, my, my latest research deals with uh, how to regulate cryptocurrencies, specifically uh, during the stage of the initial coin offering, the ICO, which is uh, something that is very similar to... It's like an
0: IPO, initial public offering that the company does when it goes uh, public, but...
1: It's, in or- it's, it's not exactly like, it's in order to issue a token. What you usually do is you write a white paper and you present it to investors and you ask investors to invest money in order for you to develop the token
0: and they get tokens for for their investment
1: so they're supposed to get a token for the investment and the um, token
0: is not necessarily money or stock
1: the token the token um, usually falls into one of two categories. Either a financial product like a security or a derivative or something like that or a currency, a fiat currency, like the currencies that we know.
0: Fiat currency like a dollar, a shekel, a exactly. yen.
1: And in my in my research, I try to make the definitions between tokens, which are uh, securities and which are fiat currencies. Um, the definition for securities under uh, the, I use the U.S. federal federal legal system, and the definition under U.S. federal laws um, includes a long list of what constitutes a security. Um, and there is also a basket term called investment contract. So some some of these uh, tokens fall into a regular irregular security like like we all know you know like a stock in a firm. The DAO case was very similar to a stock. The DAO case was uh, very similar to to very close to what we know as regular stock. I mean investors were promised that if they buy DAO tokens then they will have a say in what Projects does the Dow uh, Enterprise invest, and then they will get a, a dividend from from this investment. So if those projects succeed, they get more money back. So this is very similar to stock. But other uh, cryptocurrencies uh, are not stock, but they still fall into the definition of securities because there is a basket term in US federal laws. And the basket term is called an investment contract. Now, what is an investment contract that was determined in the Howey case in the US. And in order to fall into an investment contract, you need to have three things that happen. One, you have to have an investment of money. Two, you need to have a common enterprise. And three, the success of the the thing, of the security, uh, should be uh, dependent on the effort of others. Okay, so now in the world, we have a lot of cryptocurrencies that some sort of foundation issued them. Uh, There are people standing behind this foundation. And of course, investors invested money. It's a common enterprise. And those people are making marketing efforts to uh, increase the value of those coins. So the value of the coins is dependent on the efforts of others, and so they fall under this basket term of investment contract and do, in fact, constitute a security under U.S. federal laws.
0: But basically, the idea of the ICO is uh, a lot of times to circumvent the uh, regulation.
1: Exactly, but if you issue a security, the regulators are not interested whether you call it a token or a bond or a derivative or an investment contract. They care about... you know, what what it really is. And um, so if it falls into uh, the definition of securities, and you did not register and you did not disclose what you have to disclose according to securities law, you might get into a lot of trouble. Basically, uh, my research after um, explaining what constitutes a secure, which tokens constitute a security and which don't, which are actually more closer to fiat currencies, then the conclusion is that if something is a security, it should be regulated like all other securities. Um, And if something is a fiat currency, we should obviously regulate it against anti-fraud regulation, uh, so that if investors invested money and you promised them a token, you won't be able to take the money and run away without providing the token.
0: Or give them a token that's worthless.
1: You should give them what you promised them. So anti-fraud should anyway apply. Um, And then uh, the only other place where, in my opinion, we should regulate fiat currencies is when they start becoming um, relevant to increasing systemic risk in the regular financial markets. And what do I mean by that? So systemic risk is the risk that uh, one financial institution or one big institution, which is too big to fail in the market, will fall and take down the whole financial system with it, like what we saw in the 2007-2009 financial crisis in the U.S., Um, There are all kinds of things that increase uh, systemic risk. And one of the main jobs of the regulator is to regulate against systemic risk and try to keep the stability of the financial institutions.
0: And what uh, risks do uh, ICOs and uh, cryptocurrencies?
1: So so now in the US, for example, we see some insurance companies which insure Bitcoin uh, accounts and this is problematic. So in a small scale, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. But if this becomes like a large scale phenomenon, then this means that the volatility of the Bitcoin, which we know is very volatile, can have an effect on the stability of an insurance company.
0: Because they would have to pay out a lot of money, and for they insurance, might, exactly, they might collapse.
1: Collapse. So here, um, regulators should should see if they can regulate against systemic risk, they should do so. But if they don't know how to regulate against systemic risk or are unsure, they should just forbid financial institutions to invest or to, to deal with these cryptocurrencies.
0: <laughs> and good luck with that. IPOs have uh, certain disclosure uh, requirements. Do ICOs that are considered securities have those uh, requirements as well?
1: So yes, they should have even more requirements um, because the uh, the value of the token depends not only of the on the on the value of the token itself, but also on other things such as, for example, cybersecurity. Um, is the blockchain technology that the token is based on um, is it secure? Is is it private or public? Who wrote the code? Is there a backdoor to this code? All these things should be answered. And they are very relevant because we see that hackers target ICOs. And a lot of times the money goes to the hackers and not to the uh, original enterprise. And this causes a main concern for investors.
0: And security, backdoors and hackers. This is uh, your domain, Boaz.
2: Yeah, it's my domain. I I can divide it into uh, three sections. Let's start with the end user. I mean, you or me that are having uh, right now a cryptocurrency or a Bitcoin, and we want to keep it. So if we want to keep it uh, today, we need to know, uh, I would say, in a certain level, which is higher than most of us know, uh, how to keep uh, uh, a file, how to keep a file with a password. Just for an example, uh, let's say that 20 years ago you had a Q-text file, Q-text. or an Einstein file, Einstein, wow. which is amazing. And you want right now to read it, but you don't have anymore a word uh, 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 editor that you can read it. I'm not sure on what uh, uh, media uh, you kept it. Maybe on a discette, <laughs> on a cassette. So, uh, if you are talking about keeping uh, for a long time the cryptocurrency. This, is, this means that you want to
0: keep the wallet for many years right now. And as opposed to the QTEXT file, I also need to encrypt it to, to guard it because it's money. Somebody wants to steal it. Exactly. So you need, only, you, you need
2: also to, to keep it with password. And you need to maybe to uh, keep need it on You to remember a, the
0: password. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I have to tell you that in my company, we have become uh, a psychologist for many users who have forgotten their passwords. And they are coming to us and say, please help us recover the password. So we are sitting with them. We are singing them songs, and we are telling them, please remember who was your mother, who was your dog name, what's your dog last name, and what was the password. And then after three hours of doing this, we recover it. But then you find out that in the wallet there is nothing, so uh, it's amazing. <laughs> but the problem is that if you, are as a user, will keep right now your money in a bank, so you are keeping this uh, twenty, one hundred 100 shekels in a bank account, 20 years from now, you can come to the bank account, show your ID, and get the money. But if you will do it in a cryptocurrency, and you want to keep it in a wallet, maybe in your uh, cell phone today. A wallet, uh,
0: let's explain, is a software. Yeah, it's a software. an application that is on your phone or your computer. That's where the identity, like the private key and uh, public key, are kept. Yeah. So, so th- the probability that in twenty years from now you will be able to recover
2: the cryptocurrency are pretty low right now. So it's a- Lexi. That was my dog when I was little. Lexi, wonderful. Mine was nasty. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, there is a huge gap between uh, using a cryptocurrency today and keep it for for the long run. I'm not going to talk about how exposed you are to the fact that the currency is in your hands right now it's not uh like uh, something uh, uh it's like you're holding a, a gold metal in your hand yeah rather than putting it in the bank yeah. or in a safe so 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 if somebody is taking it so it's not yours anymore so those are big challenges for for the end user to use cryptocurrency today but let's go one one stage up Let's go to the uh, cryptocurrency uh, uh, initiator, the one who invents the, the cryptocurrency. Sometimes it's in a software company with two boys. <laughs> they do not know how to protect their system. They don't know how to protect their software. They do not know how to transfer money. Maybe they are using an open source infrastructure in order to do uh, their, their ICO or whatever. And then you're seeing that they really don't know how to protect Uh, the customers and the coins and their cryptocurrency. So this is also also a a big challenge. At the third level, you see all the uh, cryptocurrency exchanges.
0: The exchanges uh, play uh, both banks and exchanges. They uh, help you uh, exchange your uh, fiat money for Bitcoin and vice versa. And sometimes you have an account with them and they keep your uh, cryptocurrency.
2: 100% right. Uh, The problem is that those exchanges or banks really do not have uh, the ability to protect your money. So we are seeing in the past uh, year and a half numerous attacks on cryptocurrencies exchanges around the world.
1: A good example is what happened to CoinDash when they issued their ICOs. Uh, The ICO, it was hacked and the money went to uh, the hackers and not not to CoinDash itself. So they had to pay back the investors from their own money.
0: Isn't it weird that um, old banks, traditional banks, are more protected than um, entities that were created in this day and age when we know what hackers can
2: do? No, because if you're talking about the financial system and the banking, uh, I would say, system, we're talking about hundreds of years of experience. So the bankers today know how to protect your money not because they know it, because they have right now uh, 100 years of experience. And if we are talking about new exchanges, a new cryptocurrency, new infrastructure, then everything is new and nothing is regulated yet. And when we are talking about regulation one of the reasons that there is no regulation is this is because the uh, old banking system do not want to the new cryptocurrency system they do not want to regulate it so we are having they don't some, want it to exist yeah they don't want it to exist uh there are many reasons for it you know that the users today of uh, cryptocurrency are not only users i mean uh, like us it's also all the black uh, system who wants to launder money and they do have right now a new channel for doing it. And also we are talking about a new uh, uncontrolled system. I mean, if you're looking right now at a currency, an existing fiat uh, currency, we are talking about governments who control it. We are talking about, uh, I would say, the world market, which is controlling it. But if we are talking about the crypto world, then it's not controlled. It's a new system, and it is being, you know, uh, I know the, the the old system is rejecting it, trying to avoid using it.
0: So it's a huge challenge for everyone. But regulators uh, are pouncing on uh, Bitcoin right now, and some of them are even saying, yes, we know it exists. We know it's not going away. Blockchain, cryptocurrency is not necessarily Bitcoin, but we need to l- deal with it. We need to uh, embrace it into the system and make it Um, I don't know, mainstream? Yeah, so so I thought, first of all, you're 100%
2: right. And I thought that uh, Israel would lead this area. Because we have so many uh, Bitcoin and blockchain uh, technology uh, startups. As I see it right now, Japan is leading. Japan is right now regulating uh, stock exchanges. And also, I think that we are keeping them. Uh, Just for an example, uh, there was a huge breach to a Coinbase exchange uh, company in Japan. And they lost, uh, their customers lost something like half a billion of uh, dollars. And uh, they, last week, they returned most of the cut of the money to their customers, like $422 million. They didn't retrieve the money, they actually paid from their pockets. Yeah, and this was part of the, regula- the results of the regulation that was handed over them by the Japanese government. So they knew that they must bring it back. So we are seeing... New steps, new regulators,
0: and of course, I think that Japan right now leads the, the world. So I hope um, this makes uh, Bitcoin and blockchain and cryptocurrencies and ICOs uh, more clear, albeit scary, frightening, complicated for the listeners. Uh, this was uh, Lex Kibernetica. and I want to thank my guests, Aviv Zohar, Darja Butinsky, and Boaz Alev. And see you in cyberspace. This was Lex Cybernetica. Lex More episodes are
3: available at the Hebrew University Cybersecurity Research Center site at csrcl.huji.ac.il.